1944, Pablo Picasso said, one must have the courage of one's vocation and the courage to make a living from one's vocation. In this podcast, we talk to artists, authors, and entrepreneurs about the steps they took to find the very courage Picasso was talking about. This isn't another podcast of type A people talking to other type A people about how great it is to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. It's a podcast where I, in my radio voice, talk to relatively normal people about stuff that other relatively normal people might care about. I'm Dallas Browning, and you're listening to The Art of Vocation. Hello, boys and girls. Dallas Browning here. Today, I'm finally posting the fascinating interview I had with Dallas Graham. Now, it's not common to have two people named Dallas in the same room, but you'll soon discover that Dallas Graham is interesting for much more than just his awesome first name. He's the author of the book, Nicholas and the Pantheon Trials. It's a remarkable tale about a few select weeks in the life of the 14-year-old boy who would someday become Santa Claus. It's full of mystery, mythology, and mischief. <laughs> I'm proud to say I've read the whole thing, and I highly recommend it. He's also the founder of the Red Fred Project, which we'll talk about. He's a graphic designer, a photographer, a Kalari instructor, and one of the most interesting people you'll ever meet. So let's get to it. Welcome, everybody. Um, so, uh, Dallas Graham. And we were just talking about vocation because that's what this podcast is about. We're talking about Parker J. Palmer's book. Uh, what did I say the name of that book was? Let Your Let Life your Speak. And so his concept, so his concept in it is essentially your, your life wants to be a certain thing, right? He said that when he was in his early thirties, he wrote down all his values. He wrote down like, you know, everything's so aspirational. It was like, this is what I'm going to be. And I'm going to like yeah. force my life to, yeah. to be that. And then, it, and, and it was like, but my life had different plans. Oh, oh. And so, so that's what we kind of want to talk about today, even, is like what plans your life had for you. And, and we're going to start with, with this book, and then we're going to go back and figure out what, what turned you into you and gave you the courage to do all this. But let's first talk about Nicholas and the Pantheon Trials. So this is a book about Santa Claus. Ish. Sort of. So this is the Nicholas of St. Nick, well, kind you're, of. Well, you're asking exactly what... And where the thought came from, the idea was, yeah, where does this, like, where does the saint and the clause begin? Yeah, because guess what, no one's really defined that, <laughs> and I've never really known that. And I'm forty something, actually forty. Um, you are, you're forty but, now. But like, there is no, like, solid idea of who this person has been there for my whole life. Right. And I have no idea who he is. But I somehow just like it when he comes and like secretly enters my home undetected yeah. and then right. leaves. And yet I never see him. And like, well, how does he live so long? Like, mm -hmm. what does that mean for a person who lives hundreds of years? What does that make? You know? What, yeah. Wait, like, wait, where is he from? You know? So I, all these sort of merging things. And I've been to Europe and I've... Um, seen different Santa Claus folklore, and I, he has tons of different names, but depending oh, really? on what part of the world yeah. you're Papa in. Papa Noel. Yeah, and like then different backstories too, but there seems to be this persistent um, ambiguity about exactly who he is, and I think that was where the curiosity started itching. So how long have you had this curiosity? Two years ago this month. Really? Two years ago. December, two years ago. This month. Did, when did you decide you were going to write a book? That day. You said, I have wondered my whole life who this Santa Claus character is, who this chimney sneaky guy is, yeah. and I'm going to figure this out by writing a book. Right. Well, the first, I mean, I, hadn't, I haven't thought about my whole life about doing this. It was just right. that the idea really crackled and snapped and became bright right then because uh, I'm as like normal normally aware as most people my age and yet I like mythology I like folklore I like symbol I love Christmas holy cow um, and yet like I cannot tell you like looking in your eyes who he is 
which is kind of strange because I'm 40. <laughs> like, wouldn't my natural curiosity have led me there at some right. point? And so I started asking other people. I was like, what's your Santa Claus legend? Where does your Santa Claus legend come from? How does this happen? And everybody pretty much was like, uh, I don't know. I'm like, isn't that curious? Like, we're all so loving of this folklore figure, but none of us can give us each other a straight answer as to who he is or where he comes from. No, it's true. I mean, we all love him, yeah. even though we resent like, our parents a little bit. Voraciously <laughs> What? <laughs> well, we resent our parents a little bit for, yeah, like, yeah. you know, stealing Things. some of his magic away yeah. from us. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. we love him. Mm-hmm. So, <clears throat> I've only read the first chapter, because yeah. I only got the book. Good. Just, it only arrived yesterday. Thank you. Actually, I got it today, but Thank you. still. Came, read the first chapter as quickly, and it's really good because it's really interesting. The listening audience needs to understand that Nicholas starts out at least. I mean, you're introduced to him. He's a thief, mm-hmm. which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Which is probably why he's so good. I mean, he's really good at getting down, getting into your house without you knowing. Yeah. yeah. So that's. I mean, the first chapter. He the first scene essentially. He's spotted, right? That's a bad yeah. thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we know he figures that one out. How to not make that happen again. Somehow. I don't know. But I know. Because I never saw him. Except <laughs> at the mall. Right. Right. Um, I mean, so we, we've got mythology. It's so good. Thank it's you. so, like, it's so interesting. Mm. Um, I know it's written, uh, targeted to young adults, but... Right. I think any adult that thinks young is going to be fascinated by the Couldn't story. Couldn't agree with you more. Actually, it's for the young of heart, the young of mind, truly. It's it's for the believers and the those that believe in mystery and and want to be fascinated by the f- fantastic. You know? uh, yeah. yeah. So we were in Rome this summer, and I really wished that I knew my mythology better. Mm. And this has... This has mythology in it, right? I mean, it's well, got... especially because his bones are in Italy. Oh, they are. The real, the historical person, Nicholas uh-huh. of Myra, who, by the way, was born in modern-day Turkey, which at the time was a Greco-Roman place, not not Mark Pole. <laughs> so you've so you've done your homework here. I've done so. The some. The, the Myra stuff is is. Factual. That's it's, legit. It's yep. historically. That is legit. legit. Oh, yeah. I was so he 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 does not look like you think he he's does. not Scandinavian. In fact, the whole, the he's whole, not a Scandinavian elf. Well, he could be in southern areas, but how does he? You know, right. this is all coming. But like the initial taproot of this Saint Nick, the person that we want to call Saint Nick, who we end up calling him a lot. We blur this Santa Claus and Saint Nick. So I went back to Saint Nick and Saint Nick. I mean, we would call him Turkish today, but at the time he was Greek. Okay. Which, right. everything about this book is you do not know who he is. You don't even know what he looks like. Do you know what he looks like? He has dark olive skin, black long hair, and bright, bright greenish blue eyes. And he's built like a wrestler. Like, <sighs> he's, he's not bowl full of jelly round belly, ho, 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 balding, old man that, <laughs> okay. is, that is not who he is so so all right so two years ago yeah you set out to do this and mm-hmm. now i hold this beautiful book with the wonderful soft cover in my hand mm-hmm. that's that's a big accomplishment anybody that's tried to ru- tried to write a book mm knows and anybody that even thinks in their mind that they have a book in them knows that there's a there's a world of space between having an idea for a book and then actually having the book in hand Mm. how did you decide when did you start and how did you keep at it because you were busy with other projects at this time and we're going to get into those as well and still correct and still busy with the red fret project okay so when did you write how did you start Let's start with how did you start, and then let's talk about when did you write. How did I start? I, how? I, I let the idea marinate, truly. Um, I, did, I started just preliminary research to see if I'm embarking up my own, like, is this just, is this a good idea? Has someone else done this? 
for sure, you know, for the, however long this guy's been around, there's tons of tales. But is anyone kind of taking the, the approach I am? And so, um, first of all, I didn't want to repeat something. Right. And it's totally possible, right? I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> someone could have totally done this. I've yeah. not seen it. And I feel like I'm probably just as normal again as everyone else who might see pop culture something. Yeah. Turns um, out somebody already wrote the book about the elf that spies on you. <laughs> Can't write about that one now. <laughs> right, right. Um and so, like most ideas, you have to take a minute, um, especially if there's a certain idea, like, oh, I'm going to write about it mm-hmm. and right. put it in a like a form called a book, which right. suddenly becomes a thing. So I, I spent the first month researching, and um, the top roots of that research were looking into, you know, who is he the patron saint of? And there's a lot of them, but the three that kept bubbling up and that really became drivers were children. Well, I knew that. Mm-hmm. S- um, sailors. Oh. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. Well, well, that would totally make sense. Because you'd have to know how to navigate mm-hmm. anything by the stars. Oh. Right. So, he, oh, he was a sailor first. Oh, okay. And then the third one, which was really... the. The, the, the digging point, which was fun, which was actually the whole thing that flipped it on the side of the head, was thieves. He's the patron saint for thieves. And, you know, here is this marginalized group of people that we <laughs> tend to not want to say we understand or get, but actually all of us kind of get mm-hmm. the thieving part and <laughs> why you want to steal anything, why anyone wants to. But that that shift of color, the turn in the coat sort of idea right. makes perfect sense um, as he is sort of a secretive anomaly. Yeah. So as soon as uh, like the, the, the lock happened, I'm like, oh, he was trained as a thief. Okay, now we have a story. Because honestly, right now, he's kind of a benign character. He's a figure that lovingly gives out gifts, but like, what else? Right. I'm actually more interested in uh, the range of, of, of life experience people have. So I'm, 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 in, I'm interested in complicated people, I would say. And not necessarily like, well, just, just in the reality that everybody has shades of gray. Mm-hmm. Everybody has pasts. Um, they like to keep things quiet or secret. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also this 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 wonderful tandem awareness too of like well what is a saint well if I mean if I take away even the religious context of a t- saint it's very close if not the same thing as a hero mm-hmm. and both of these figures okay well why don't we just interchange them aren't they the same thing oh like oh they in literature a hero literally goes to hell and back in order to someday become and so this was this like oh. All right, he's gonna be fourteen, whole life ahead of him, <laughs> and he's a bit of a he's a bit of a twerp, <laughs> he's a bit of a hothead. So you did some yeah. research. You yeah. decided, you got to know the character a little bit and who he'd be. Yeah, and and so I mean, for your writing process, did mm. you did you outline the story? Did you just dive into it? <laughs> I, I wish I could say, like, there was, like, the most perfect little thing that I did. Um, it wasn't. It was a bit messy. Um, but I was still able to make sense of it. Yes, I outlined it. I drew... From beginning to end? Yes. Okay. Yes. And that changed, though. And I, mm-hmm. I, have, a, I have these huge mirrors, mirrors in my house, and I got, you know, these markers, and I drew all over them when I was connecting things. I was writing characters' names down. I was writing themes. I was writing, you know, what is the arc of the whole story? Um, how many pantheons are there going to be? Because there's got to be a ton. They've mm-hmm. got to represent all parts of the world. And um, who are the, you know, who are his buddies? And then like who are kind of the cast, like the supporting cast. So it was lots of note making, lots of note taking, um, outlined for sure, for sure. Um, and uh, so just lots of notes in my notebook. And then at one point I jumped to my computer and started using Excel um, and breaking down into columns and. Um, uh, rows and broke down chapter and you know theme and plot and setting and character and started tic-tac-toeing all those to to kind of see a broader uh, more qu- quick reference 
And that wasn't mine. I was, that was, um, you know, I've uh, learned that from, I think J.K. Rawlings did that, which is phenomenal thinking. So, you know, it's sort of mapped out thing. Mm -hmm. So the, knowing that the story had to be cohesive, obviously, and you have to be able to recall and pull back from certain things that you said, um, not just for the reader, for me, right? Um, the organization got better and better as the process went on. So, um, and then, and, and, and is this the first of three? I won't say, and I'm not trying to be obtuse, okay. but I will say um, it's intended to be five. Five, okay. About just Nicholas. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> um, so have you started work on the next one? Yes, I have. Now, have you, you haven't done a book this big. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yes, I have not done this. No, you're right. I have not. But when wow. do you find time to do this? So let's talk about... <laughs> Hold on. I'm so, so, so when? Like, <laughs> do, you, do you have a daily process? What do you do? Uh, I mean, the truth is, right? Like, there's... I, no, I sit in the same seat sometimes looking at it. I'm like, when did they do, how, when did they do that one? Um I mean, the truth and the honesty is just like in the same amount of time everyone does everything else. I, I just decided I was going to work on it at certain points, meaning um, it even wasn't my decision all the time. It was more like the muse just going like, okay, you have to do it. So it was like midnight hours. It was like dark, late hours. So it was a super magical time to like write anything or early, early hours. So predominantly, this was taking place um, during sleeping time. When did you decide, what was your, when did you decide when you would release this book? Uh, in December, two years ago. You decided when crashed, yes. that December Sixth. of 6th, 2015 mm -hmm. would be your release date. And you moved, yep. you worked back from there. Yep. You made that commitment. Yeah. I've, I've ser seriously, I've, I've been hearing more and more this whole concept of commit first and then you figure it out. Right, commit before knowing how you're going to do something. Was that the case here, or was like two years? Like, nope, I know I can do it in two years, and that's going to be enough time. First of all, December sixth is Saint Nicholas Day, so this is a actual historical date of relevance that in the U.S. we don't really observe. But if you're in Germany or if you're somewhere else in Scandinavia, it's the fifth. So maybe this knife edge of midnight between the two is when we actually release. A book of relevance, historical relevance to a new myth. Um, so that was the thing. And it was actually, it was charged up with magic. Because I want I want to make that, it already exists. The day already exists. Right. Let's, yeah. let's make something relevant to it. So that was an easy thing. Um, beyond that, I, I think the positioning of, you know, did you commit, did I commit? And then the, act? I, I think this, the story pulls me. It, it's almost, it's, it's a, I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be obtuse, but like honestly, the story was such a driver. I felt it was pulling me along versus having to push myself. Um, there wasn't, I'm sure it's work. Work is work is work. But it was such a joy and such a mystery and such fun to create that, that, that my level of commitment to it it wasn't like in question. Were there times where you were like, "What am I? What am I doing?" I mean, well, totally, because it's like I've never done the, like I've never done a novel. I've never done this form of art. I've read plenty of them, I respect a ton, and oh, this must kind of feel like what it's like when people are starting to write books. Okay, I'm starting to respect that space. I'm starting to get a little bit more like. When people say, yeah, it's taken me a, a minute to write this. Now I have you know, sympathy and empathy and all that sort of stuff where you're like, yeah, this is work. Um, you know, but, but, but luckily I just kind of have this one story line in my head. There aren't like multiple different series and things. Like I know some people who actually have that. They have multiple books, multiple manuscripts going I'm pretty lucky because I just like, I just have this one. So you knew when you were you knew when you were going to have your launch. Yeah. <clears throat> so do you work back from there? Did you know? Did you have a date for when you had to have it published, printed, and when you had to have 
your edited copy done right. and when yeah. you had all yes. of that. Yes, and we worked backwards from there. Um, the, the actual, you know, the date where I said we finished, I finished the manuscript was the 11th of November last year. Um, oh. So from there, it was all fine-tuning. So it took about five or six months of just just fine-tuning back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, proof, 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 um, editors, proofreaders, beta readers. Um, it's because I knew like by July, September, we have to have the files pretty much ready because the cover art's gonna be being wrapped up. How did you find an editor? Just through the network of amazing people that surround me, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, um, and how did you know when it was done? I mean, how did you know when your manuscript's right, done? Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting in the audience too like, yeah, how does that happen? <laughs> Uh, two things, you know, the art speaks, or that's what they say, right? You ask some people their creative process because you wonder when, and sometimes they'll just be like, well, I just knew, I was just done. But the second, so there's part of me that just knew, but the second and probably the more solid reality is when my editor, um, I was getting to this place where it was just amping up. And she said, Dallas, like, let's end the story a little bit like sooner than what you're thinking. And as soon as she said that, I'd not even thought about ending it there. All of a sudden it just went, oh, the ease just like <laughs> collapsed into my heart. And I was like, oh my gosh, like we're done. Like we're really done. And so, um, and cue the fantastic, wonderful talents of editors. Mm -hmm. People really able to take your work, pull it out, like, use a gorgeous, you know, scalpel and carve away and also help you see like, oh, okay, but this other chunk now, we can put that into who, the next Who book. helped you? Her name's Jerry Larson. Jerry Larson, shout yeah. out to Jerry Larson. Jerry Larson, <laughs> who's shared so much of my brain and my heart through all this. And, and for reals, this book just couldn't be what it is without my editor. So would you, I mean, say somebody says, oh, I'm gonna write a book, but I can't afford an editor. What do you tell them? When do you bring an editor into the process? I well, I would say do it anyways, right? Do it. Um, I wouldn't sit there and talk about success of their book or their work unless if they wanted to talk about success. Like, what does that mean even? I know. I, I Like, there are so many people that went into this. It's not just Dallas Graham. There's, like, a ton of people that helped out. So it made me again, acknowledge the collaborative process um, in order to create a thing. There's usually a lot of people helping, a lot right. of believers um, that that have to buy in. And I think that ends up lending to success, you know, quote unquote success. That's what I think. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but, but the assistance was invaluable. You're no stranger invaluable. to collaboration. Let's, let's talk a little bit about the Red Fred Project. Okay. Um, I mean, Let's tell tell us who Red Fred is, um, how it started, and then let's talk a little bit about the Kickstarter campaign okay. and where what what you've been doing ever since. Okay, uh, the Red Fred Project is a collaborative story making project with fifty children with critical illnesses across fifty states, and I'm finding one child per state. We're making original children's books with each of these kids, and they're the total creative boss. <laughs> I just help them bring it together through you know, design and photography, and this um, troop of birds called the Jolly Troop. The Jolly Troop are, are kind of fun to look at. They're commas. They're birds made from commas. <laughs> <laughs> and so they look very graphically easy to, to stare at. They're very colorful. And I've been writing short stories with them for about six years. And the Red Fred Project came about two years ago. Um, two and some odd. Oh, really? So you've been doing this for for oh you you've been with the Jolly Troop. You've Jolly Troop for six years. Trolley, Jolly Troop for yeah. six years. Yeah. And then the Red, Red Fred, Fred Project, Project about two years ago. Yeah, it was it was about two years ago when um, when the birds started talking to me like what they really wanted to do, which is make books with kids. And and so let's talk a little bit about that process. Okay. Um, had you had you tested it out with anybody first, or did you decide? You wanted to do it, and then you did the Kickstarter, and then you jumped in? Or how well, the, did that go? the idea really catalyzed um, with the reality of the, li the life that left with the little boy named Mitchell. So 
a little boy that we knew, thousands of people knew, who died. Um, and we had been interested, I had been interested in his family, had graciously, um, Chris and Allie had said we could do it. Um, he was for sure um, going to be passing away. But I wanted to do it, so we were trying to make schedules match, and it didn't work um, before Mitchell passed away. So as soon as Mitchell passed, that was the catalyzation of just like, okay, there's thousands of children who are in critical states, so let's get on it. Yeah. So I reached out just to, through my network and through some really wonderful um, star like linking, found this other first named Nathan Glad, and Nathan was our first pilot. You know, let's test this out. Can I make a book with this kid? And let's, I think I know how we could do it. And, mm-hmm. and we're going to have these little worksheets, and we're going to have him talk about theme and character. And you know, this just let's let's break down what makes a story, and let's make it bite-sizable for kids. So the family, the Glads, which are just, they're so far into my heart, they decided to take this trip with me, right? Like, okay, you want to try this with me? And they're like, yep, we do. So that was the testing ground. And as soon as we found out that we did Nathan's and when it came out good, that's when we decided, well, let's do this Kickstarter because now I think we could actually do more. So you you sit down with the kid Mm -hmm. and... How, how do they prep? I mean, kids are natural storytellers. Right. Oh, yes. Right? They're so creative. Yes. And yes. so so you just probably, you know, you, you just seed it a little, I'm guessing. I mean, how w- w- walk me through just a little bit of a creative session then sure. with these kids. Sure. I would I would put a little, uh, I put a piece of paper in front of them, and it has little symbols. There's like a spider and a shield and a, a sunshine burst and a heart and I say what's your book going to be about first before anything what's it going to be about and you can circle one of these you can circle two of these you can circle three and then if you circle three which one's top middle or bottom so which are the themes this is called Phoenix right so maybe it's about feeling love and being scared that's Mm yeah so we know kind of like okay what's that's what the story's going to be about now um where's where's the setting so I'm going to come to you you got to show me where this is going to take place because we're going to take photographs of where this place is too. Right. So they, the kids start thinking, well, it's going to be in a farm near down the road. There's good, or it's going to be in a shopping district or it's going to be on an abandoned basketball court. So all these kids have had their own place in their mind, in a real place, mm-hmm. but where this imaginative story is going to happen mm-hmm. in a real place in their life. So they've already decided. So now they've decided kind of where it's going to be. Third, I say, which birds of the Jolly Troop are going to be it? And it's like they get a pick from their cast. <laughs> right. They can pick one. They can pick seven. They can pick the, the grumpy bird, Dread Fred. They can, they can pick whoever they want. But they get to choose who's going to be supporting. And then you study these characters. Mm-hmm. You find out what Blackjack's like. And you find out why Algernon is the soft, cuddly one that listens a lot. And you find out that Stilts does yoga. But like, why <laughs> and who are these guys in relation to your bird? Right. And then we make their bird. And they... They get their own bird. They get to create a bird from a comma I've never used. They get to color it, a color we've never had. They get to name it, a name we've never named. And we get to make this very significant realization. Like, this bird is the most... This bird of all the birds. There's no one else this color. There's no one else this size. And that's actually how life is. We're all so unique. So this is the story about your bird. So it's not their name. It's right. They, they, bird. they create a bird. Yeah. It's like a little totem. <laughs> right. right. And so then they just do what kids do best, which is imagine and have fun and trial and error and, you know, bump and move and figure it out. But I help mentor the whole thing. And you give and, a framework and you, right. you facilitate right. that. And it is work. I mean, it's, oh, yeah. you know, it's work. It's not... Um, just first pass of what they say. We actually talk through it and make sure it makes sense. And so once once you have the story, do they do they kind of give a creative oh yes, like an approval or or how does that work? They they have to actually come up with the story. Okay. You know, some people have asked me like, Dallas, how did how have you done like eight children's books in two years? I was like, Well first, I didn't come up with the stories. Right. These kids did. For real. It's like these are not the germ is not mine. Like, it's these children's. I'm helping shape it. Um, but the originality of this is theirs. And so, depending on their ability um, and or where they are in their education, um, you know, some have given me very lengthy 
descriptions. Some it's just audible because they can't write, right. um, because their health doesn't allow them to. So we just take very you know copious notes on how that does, and then we rework it. We rework it. We rework it. We go over and over and over again. So then when it gets to a place where we feel it's done, then I scoop it up and say, okay, now I'm going to go work on it. And then I work on it. When I finish, I send it to them and say, this is it. Read through it and, uh-huh. and give me your sign off that right. we're okay. And at the end, too, I also say, give us two life lessons that we want all the readers to remember when they're done. And they have to fit in these two little badges in the back of the book. And they can't be the same as anybody else's. So what do you want your audience to learn? What is it? It can only be two things. And they are astounding what these little kids come up with. So at the end of this whole series, you'll have 100 new. You'll have 100 life fit, lessons. Fit, oh, yes, yes. Right? Because right, it's 50 100, kids. Yeah. Life so lessons. you've been to eight states, yeah. eight kids, eight books. Yeah. And the, the Kickstarter, <clears throat> let's talk really quickly about that. Sure. Um, um, because I remember, you know, it... it it took kind of this ramp up. And then at the very end, oh, I mean, gosh. it was like the four end. Days. Last four <laughs> days. Like, Last wow. four days. Wow. Insane. So, it was insane. <laughs> and, and this, so the Kickstarter helped fund, it helped fund kind of the initial, mm-hmm. you know, kickoff of all of this. Yeah. Um, and, and it got a lot of attention and, and, mm-hmm. and all that. What, I mean, well, first, let's talk about that, and then let's talk about what happened next. What would your advice be to people doing a Kickstarter? What would you do differently? Mm. Um, anything else? What, what was that experience? Uh, it's, it's a fascinating experience. Just get ready for a ride. Um, you can't do enough prep. I, it's my personal thing. You know, people think, like, I'll oh, just throw it together, and it took months for me to get this ready. Um, second of all... Um, you know, that people say, well, you had such good success, and, and yes, we did. We're lucky. There's a lot of great projects that don't get funded. I, I think there's a, there is a bit of luck involved, and there's also just a bit of, like, do people believe you? You know, I, I mean, I really believe I have, like, the best network of people around me, and they believe me when I'm doing something. And I kind of have, I've held off, like, you know, pulling the favor card, which is like, <laughs> I was like, hey, guys, you really need to back me up on this one. <laughs> um, like, it's time, because we need to do some things. We're adults, and we need to help. With these kids we can do this um, and then I think another thing and I've, I've said this a few times like if you want the masses to help you mm-hmm. you have to do something the masses really want to help right and that sounds so like well duh but it, it, I, I find that I'm really interested also like into things that are smart and intriguing mm-hmm. and that's hopefully I'm not like Putting anyone in, I mean, but for me, when I see a good project, there'll at least be something in me that it flips differently. Where I'm just like, this is such a good idea. Like, I'm only too excited to support this person, right? Because they put a lot of thought. It's original. It's fresh. It's opening eyes in me mm-hmm. that I haven't felt I've had before. Right. And there's so much work out there that people are doing that way. And I think those are the projects that get a lot of um, attention or have success because. Mm-hmm. It just seems like there's a different spin up. Like they are really trying to help us think differently. They want to make it. They want to make a difference. It's mm-hmm. not just. I just want to make money or yeah. whatever it is. So, so I mean, the Kickstarter happened. You were able to get started, but it certainly can't be enough to do all fifty states. Correct. Yeah, it's so, we're done. So, we don't have so what do you? What what now? How do you keep now, going? <laughs> um, now we know that we are. Uh, we, there is. There's not money coming in, so now we're looking for partners, strategic partners that could be other, you know, like the Make-A-Wishes or mm-hmm. the Alex's Lemonade Stands or St. Jude's of the country who have really great networks of families and kids specific to the demographic we're looking at, which is crit- critically ill and rare diseases. Um, we want to collaborate with them. We want to have, like, I want the state of Michigan to come up with $12,000 so we can do it. And on like one way, that's like that's super easy for the state of Michigan. Right. But who is it? So like, is it about twelve thousand a child? It is twelve thousand. Okay. Not anything less. <laughs> it's it's about twelve thousand a book. Um, we have forty two more. That's basically half a million to okay. do. Which is, we're we're producing books over half the cost that like if you went to a traditional publishing house that they're creating it for. Right. So we're even doing it under, you know. Plus, we have a time limit. And your what's your time limit? Their health. 
That's right. That's true. Yeah. And how do you how do you select these children? Um, up until now, it's just been a very organic process. People had heard about it, wrote in. Most of them were friends of the family, so actually not parents. Mm-hmm. We had a couple parents write in, but it was so awesome to see like people from their communities just like, this is a rad kid, or I've known this child. Can you? Right. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, I'm guessing there's still need for strategic partners. Totally. How do you... How do you find them? How, uh, where, where, where are you? Yeah, I mean, I, I get the feeling that there's yeah. that there's somebody out there that's that's looking for the right project to yeah, like adopt, yeah, yeah. and they haven't found you yet. We say we I say yes to a lot. So I meet with people. I listen to what their hopes are and what they would like to do. And I say this is what our needs are and this is what we need to do. I'm really clear on what that is. Um, you know, we have some amazing things coming. Uh, plays being produced by this next March is just going to blow everyone's mind. Salt Lake Acting Company is producing Climbing with Tigers, which is our first Oh, book. really? Um, we've got 42 more options to find kids with different diseases, 42 more children that from different ethnicities, mm-hmm. demographics that we get to focus on. Mm-hmm. Um, the books are advocacy work. They are building awareness. Um, they're also fundraising tools for the family. So the book in of itself is a no-brainer. It's like, this is the, it is a positive thing. Um, plus, it's a huge accomplishment for each of these kids. So, you know, it's, it's just, I'm leaning into like, it's just, this, it's going to talk to certain people. Right. And I believe those people will step forward. I'm trying to be as vocal as I can about it. Right. I'm asking people like, please come help us. We need your help. Yeah. So hopefully those, that invitation just brings the right sort of a mix. And I know they're out there. We've got lots of work to do. That's wonderful. Um, so, so with all this then that you're doing, um, I mean, it, it must be nice to be a trust fund baby. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm just really, really rich. I just don't. How do you how do you put food on on the table? Do you know that I've actually had people say that like I've heard like people think I'm the trust fund baby? Well, no, I believe I it. am. For the, I am. <laughs> I'm the furthest from a trust fund baby. I am the absolute antithesis. Other than like you can trust me though. That's that's the only fund you can trust. Is like. <laughs> Well, I'm a trust fund, baby. <laughs> it's, I mean, uh, you, you, you are doing things that people think they will do once they, you know, mm. cash out, right? Mm. They mm. win the lottery. Mm. They are, they sell this business idea mm. for a million dollars and then they can start mm. doing these creative things and helping people and mm. writing that book. So mm. what makes, what makes you so like, you know, brave <laughs> to, to do this without, without oh. I mean, how do you do it? How, how, and how, how long? Where, first of all, where, how do you survive? Um, very, very lean. Let's like, talk about that. Like super lean. Okay. Um, uh, I mean, my living expenses um, are like, honestly, um, super lean. So is it, I, is it worth it? Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, I love what I'm doing. Um, does it cause stress sometimes? Yes. <laughs> yes. But the stress isn't an overrider um, that I would discontinue these things because I've seen life in them. I've mm-hmm. seen the effect of them. I've mm-hmm. seen the ripple. Um, it doesn't mean that suddenly everything's a smashing success. I mean, a lot of times people are like, why, you know, why isn't Red Fred funded completely at this point? And I'm like, I don't know. It's interesting. You know, you think, you hope that there's some people out there. And I still believe that. But um, this, this does make you realize, like, most people you talk to that have been in, like, they've been at it for a while. Yeah. Right. Right. They've been at this thing. We think it's like overnight, but it's been like five years. Yeah. Right. Or six. Mm-hmm when it's really starting to come to flourish. Yeah. Um, so I leave, I live on a very um, lean budget. I've had some great freelance things that come in that don't get all the attention, right, that maybe yeah. these do. But um, thankfully, I've had some really great clients that actually trust my um, creative sense as well. 
not and also they want to you know like you know help me out for the next couple months <laughs> right and i'll do some work right and so it's it's well you're it's a also, photographer and a brilliant photographer thank that. you thank i mean you i still much. have the pictures you took of me and sam hanging in my house and and a, uh, a remarkable designer thank you and storyteller thank you and which which i think all art sort of does tell a story mm-hmm. somewhat yeah. um and and what else should I be adding to the list here? You're so <laughs> humble. <laughs> it's killing me. Hey, what's this? Um, so, so hopefully with the skill sets that um, I've been trying to work on for mm-hmm. years, hopefully that at t- times dovetails with, with groups and or individuals that I find are really interesting projects I can take on that also won't take too much of my time away from these things. From these other things. Because these things... Believe me, they take time. But when, okay, so when, when does, when, did you ever have a full-time job? Like you, where'd you go to college? Yes, I went to Brigham Young University and Southern Virginia College. Oh, cool. And then you, and then out of college, what did you do? Out of college, I studied painting. (laughs) I studied painting for a while. Um... (laughs) So you're a painter. Uh, no, not actively anymore. Um, I studied fine art for a while um, and then came back and worked with a paper design company. I designed paper for a while. Um, it was like a scrapbook company called Seven Gypsies. So I designed product for them. Mm-hmm. And then after that, I decided would give personal documentary photography a whirl, which is actually around the time I met you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was doing a lot of that for a while. Um, then design was always like leapfrogging in with it. I moved to New York for a minute, worked with a great designer there, Mirko Elich, um, also the whole while writing the Jolly Troop and then doing freelance work. Um, sometimes not having enough money, sometimes, I mean, I got assistance from family, um, the whole while really, really slaving away at trying to get good at this, the art of story. And um, But there was, there was also calorie don't forget oh, calorie. Yeah, yeah. Just That's, tell us a little bit about that. Uh, it's an Indian martial art um, known as the grandmother of all the martial arts. It's out of India, so trained and a teacher. You're um, one of the very few teachers. There's a few, yeah. There's a few. Luckily, we're there's some in the U.S. Yeah. But but a very small number. Yeah. yeah. Like, totally. It's it's hard to interview Dallas <laughs> because he's so, he he doesn't he doesn't he's very humble. But but it's my understanding. There's there's very few that, that are trained in this to be teachers. Uh, it's it's anyway. It sounds intense. Doesn't have a no mat, right? Wood floor. Yeah. Just tell us a little bit about that. I'm just ready to sweat your butt off. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's it looks like a what it looks like is a blend up of modern dance and yoga. Um, it's a way to create awareness all around you. Where yogi you turn in, kalari you turn out, and you look out. Um, it's, it's teaching you perception. It's teaching you how to meditate as you move. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's a moving meditation. Kalari. Yeah. Do you still practice it? Yeah. In fact, uh, we teach it in uh, Centered City twice okay. a week, uh, Tuesdays <laughs> and Thursday mornings. Yeah. Awesome. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Get your sweat on. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, I mean, has your family been supportive? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Did, did sure. anybody say, why don't you just get a normal job? No, like this concept no. of normal, no, has not appealed to you. Well, no, it, I mean it has a different point. I mean, right before the Red Pride Project, I worked for Allen Communications. I was their marketing manager, um, designer. You know that I worked there for a year, which I was very glad for. It actually gave me a lot of, like at the time, needed relief mm-hmm. um, from financial worry. Um, so I had a steady paycheck, and I, I was like one of those things. I came home at five, and I left it at the door. I didn't think about work once. And I came home, and I just like dug into my the stuff that I knew was really the life force. Um, and then luckily, within the year, the clarity came after a lot of work, a lot of hours, a lot of commitment to these ideas. Um, that that's when we got funded. The Kickstarter got funded a year in, and then I gave the piece out and. They were actually super supportive to the company as well. So. And you've been freelancing yeah. ever since. Ever since. Much. Yep. Do you do you have insurance? <laughs> yes. <laughs> just cur- just curious how, how that works. Like those questions. Oh, uh, there's just um, yeah, there's minimal yeah insurance yeah. <laughs> ah, so so what what I mean, well, what advice would you give to those out there that feel 
I mean, keep going. Yeah. Well, just there's there's people with with debt, with family obligations, with you know every every excuse yeah. why that book's not getting written right. or or whatever. Right. I mean, but but there but there's still this little desire, right? They're not ready to give up mm. on that. Is there is there any advice for that person? Any any maybe not even advice, just. The only only is in far like I know I get it and um, and yesterday I read this Rumi quote I'm sorry I'm forgetting it right now but basically the the essence is he says he says he's like keep digging in that well and <laughs> it the water is going to come but you have got to keep digging and I am a, a firm 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 believer in that like you you, you you know we gotta we gotta just keep doing it yeah you I, gotta keep, I agree like, at it. Because um, I do think it's like gardening. It's like you tend it, you tend it, you tend it, you tend it, and suddenly one day this gorgeous little flower pops up. And because you've spent so much time, so much energy, as soon as that little beautiful petaled face stems up, you're like, I know exactly what you are. I'm not wondering. I like, I know exactly what you are. And the only reason I know is because I have spent hours and hours of my day, like, making sure you can grow. And as soon as it literally, I mean, I think a lot of us are right on the edges, like, you know, discomfort and like the, we get so, um, we're discouraged, but it's like, I find that those are the cusp moments where it's, it is just about ready to turn, but there has to be the continued, I, I believe like, you just gotta like keep seeing it through. You gotta, because you're never gonna find out if you don't see it through, right? Yeah, I agree. And then it goes, clearer and you're like oh that's what you are <laughs> oh it took six years to figure that out right but and like you but value there was, it but there was so much there's enough whatever that fine stuff is mm -hmm. there's enough in it there's other projects that i've let go right, right. but there's a certain projects that have enough of that stardust that i was just like mm -mm, no still calling to me this is still i am so driven about this why? Well, I don't know. You're not getting money. No, like you're not getting paid. No, like, but it's it's really important to me for some reason. Yeah. And I think all of us have the inability to detect that what that's in us. Right. You know, and decipher what to let go and what to keep or what to put away for a while mm -hmm. versus what to keep. Right. Up here close. <laughs> I call that. You know what? What do you call? I it? think yeah. that's what I don't. I actually don't. I just said that. I call it. But I I don't. I just thought though the whole like lay your treasures in heaven. Okay, mm -hmm. I think everybody pictures, oh, do good deeds and whatever. No, I, I, I think of that, what you just said, mm. right? Mm. Digging, tending, that six years, chasing that just little bit of stardust, right? Mm. Putting, investing in that, like, that's your heaven. Mm. That's, well, yeah, that's where agree. your treasure yeah. is, it's now. you know? It's now, it's here. It is here. Yeah, it's here, it's now. And, um, it's and, not and I think that's beautiful. Um, just a couple more questions. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I, I could, I could talk to you all day. I really appreciate you coming. So, um, so any, any, so Nicholas and the Pantheon Trials, any other books that you recommend? Like, is there anything that you say, oh, I, I, I recommend everybody read this book. I'm, I'm actually going up to Park City High School, um, right after this, because we're going to talk about the art of Nicholas, words and images. And I'm going to talk about with some of these kids that are coming from um, the creative writing class and there's another art class coming, we're merging a class. And I'm gonna share with them one of the most meaningful books um, to me, which was Paradise Lost by John Milton, who is to me the, he is the, the taproot of all great fantasy. Um, anybody who's anybody whose stories you've loved, they all read Milton, and why? Because he like, you figured the thing out. It's it's what the fantasy novel is all about, and it's you know you read great classic books like that that are the reason they're classic. They're a reason like the world refers to them as like mm -hmm. kind of the best thing. Mm -hmm. um, the more I can surround myself by those kind of things in my life, um, like people's like magnum opus, right? M Milton gave you know eight years to make this book. He did it blind. Every line has every line of the epic poem has ten syllables, so like how do you write page after page? Like every line has ten syllables, and then how this word relates to this word to paints this picture in your head. I'm like, it's masterful. How um, do you read? How do you read that book? 
I'm, I know that's like, a, that's a tough question. Like but, a but like the, a steak dinner, you just the, chew you it, just sort of like chew it, read, yeah. just sort of absorb each mm. page a little slowly. It's not like you enjoy you enjoy what calls out to you, right? Like the first few things, you enjoy that, and then you keep reading, and then the next thing you enjoy, mm. and then if it keeps your interest, you go back <laughs> to the beginning and read it again. Um, but, but but genuinely, I think you know, find find something very inspiring. Find something that you can draw sustenance from. I, I love that this book I can go back to and it incites, um, it gives, it invigorates my imagination. It is epic in all scales and I'm, I love the drama of an epic. Um, so I'd say just as a general rule, I, I like to fill my life with things that I know will feed my imagination. That's not what someone else tells me. It's only like when Dallas mm-hmm. is quiet and Dallas is by himself and Dallas has no one else looking where I'm like, okay, this this is where I eat. This is where I drink. This is the life force stuff. Um, because I'm sure certain people would like they look at me like, Paradise Lost? Are you kidding? That's like the chunky, like, who, what fun is that? But I could say the same thing maybe about theirs. It's not about whose is better or what. It's just like each of us knows in a very personal way what expands our minds. And so... Um, or we, we discover that, right? right? You're, you've been yeah. lucky to discover that. Some people haven't yet. Some people right. do. But there is that. There's that expansion. Right. Or there's walking or there's like brilliant sunset. It's like what? Hmm. You got you to gotta get in a space where you can be fed, right? That you can, you can be fed. Um, because when you're putting things out, when your energetic output is a lot, then you also need to be taking things in to feed Right. Um, and only you're going to know what that is. Yeah. Right? So. Well, I've been fed today. So. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, where, where can people find you? Red Fred Project uh, and, so and everything. So. Um, you know, Red Fred Project uh, website is redfredproject.com. I would love um, any and all attention there. Um, it's a very, very important project to me. Nicholas um, is on Amazon. That's where we're selling it. It can be shipped to your door. Uh, my personal website is Dallas Graham Inc. Um, Dallas, like City Graham, like the cracker, and Inc.com. Um, and then basically, um, I'm on Instagram and um, Facebook. Those are generally how people get in touch. What's your, what's your Instagram? Instagram is Dallas underscore A underscore Graham. That's okay. the same as my Twitter handle, which has like two people on it. She's probably like my mom and my dad. <laughs> well, Dallas, thank you so much for coming in. I mean, uh, the 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 finest Dallas in the city. Oh, I'm I'm no, happy, no. like I'm happy to be I... the other Dallas. Um, <laughs> I'm the other Dallas. <laughs> no, no, that's for sure. no, no. We we all we all know that. If 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 you've never had the opportunity to to get to know Dallas, I, I hope I hope you get to because he's one of the finest, most genuine people you'll you'll ever meet. So. Um, thanks again for coming in. Thanks, Dallas. And we'll talk to you soon. Okay.